With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We have an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. I've got an apology, though, I need to make uh, immediately to start the show. I'll, I'll get to that momentarily. But we've got three, uh, two 3-0 series in the conference finals. I don't think it's what any of us expected, unless you are a, a rabid fan of the Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heat. I don't think anybody, any of us you know, saw that coming. But not only that, Carmelo Anthony uh, announced his retirement today. I'm going to give sort of my thoughts on his career and what I think his legacy is really going to look like. He's no question, no question, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, but like anything, I think we need to add a little bit of nuance to the discussion about Melo, about his career. I'll get to that later in the show, as well as we actually got two Lakers topics. One of them is... I don't know if this is reporting slash speculation, both. I don't know. But Brian Windhorst reported on ESPN that if the Lakers lose this series and uh, it ain't looking great, they're down 3-0, they will consider, strongly consider, signing Kyrie Irving. If they want to tank their franchise, then I would do it. Uh, otherwise, they could be a stupid, upon stupid, stupid move. I'll get to that later in the show at the end of today's show. All the NBA head coach searchings. The Toronto Raptors have interviewed Steve Nash to be their new head coach. Toronto's got a really weird coaching process. Like, I, I'm a huge J.J. Redick fan, but they interviewed J.J. Redick, who's never coached beyond AAU ball. It's like, eh. I don't know about this. Uh, and Nick Nurse is a pretty good head coach that they just fired. So I'm not really sure what direction the Raptors are going in right now. I'll get to that at the end of today's show. But first, an apology. I have to make an apology. Uh, I said something last week on Monday that I have thought about. I have... Uh, sort of look back at the mistake I made in saying it. And I want to apologize to a group of people. Like right now, like a genuine apology. I am sorry to the Miami Heat and their fan base. Because I have believed in you all season long. When nobody outside of South Beach, nobody believed in the Miami Heat that they could go anywhere this year. People, when they lost the playing game to Atlanta, people wrote off the heat. They're done. Even if they get in, they're a, you know they're 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 not going to make any noise. And I always believed in the Miami Heat. And at the last second, last week when I predicted the conference finals, I picked the Boston Celtics to win in seven games. 
To say that I am ashamed of that pick, certainly given how this series has played out thus far through the first three games, to say I'm ashamed is a massive understatement. And I want to genuinely apologize to Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, everybody in the Miami Heat team, and all of South Beach. It's a great city. It's a fantastic fan base. I know some Heat fans, and I'm genuinely sorry for picking the Boston Celtics and abandoning you at the last second. I hope you will forgive me. The Miami Heat, though, as I mentioned, have a 3-0 lead over the Boston Celtics. Uh, they uh, <laughs> won quite convincingly last night in Game 3 by a final score of 128-102. to Even that score wasn't indicative of how big of a uh, an embarrassment was for Boston. Let me start with Miami though. Cause like to, I can't like, you know, we were talking about last week with Denver when they went up one on the Lakers and Mike Malone, the coach, of the nuggets pointed this out. Oh, all we're talking about is the Lakers and their adjustments. Nobody's paying attention to the nuggets. I'm like, okay, then I'll pay attention to the nuggets. And I talked about the nuggets before I did the Lakers. Let's pay the Miami heat. Uh, that same respect. It's paying the same respect. Uh, Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler. I mean, that, that, that kind of goes without saying playoff. Jimmy is, is as real as, um, uh, the earth being round. It's as simple as that. If you deny the earth being round, you're kind of a conspiracy weirdo. If you don't think playoff Jimmy exists, I kind of put you in that same group. Jimmy Butler last night, casual night. You know, he only had 16, 8, and 6, but his impact was felt in the defensive end. Uh, Duncan Robinson was ridiculous off the bench with 22. He actually passed LeBron James all-time for heat three-pointers made uh, in postseason history. So congrats to Duncan Robinson. Caleb Martin gave you 18. Uh, Bam Adebayo gave you 13. Vincent was outstanding. He was the man of the night, gave you 20, uh, 29. He was the leading scorer. Uh, again, Max Struess chipped in uh, uh, 10 points, albeit inefficient. Uh, again, they are Jimmy. I've called the Miami Heat. I, I gave them this nickname after game two. You know, we hear about these bands. We hear about Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Huey Lewis in the News. It's Jimmy and the Dark Horses. That's who they are. Because it's Jimmy and a bunch of guys who everybody doubted. Nobody thought could be anything in the NBA. If they even got to the NBA, again, I remind you, there are seven undrafted players in the on this Heat team. Four of them scored a combined 70-plus points last night, which I don't think has ever been done in playoff history by four undrafted players. Eric Spolster is continuing to... I think separate himself from the the other 29 coaches in the league or eventual 29 once the hiring cycle's done uh, in terms of the gap in coach. I mean, again, you talk about a roster, and I don't want to disrespect the Heat because I believed in y'all all season long. Jimmy, we know who Jimmy Butler is. Bam Adebayo is a guy who's consistently in the defensive player of the year discussion. Kyle Lowry is a champion with the Toronto Raptors just four years ago. Kevin Love's a champion with the Cavs back in 2016 and has had a great career, Hall of Fame level career. But you're talking about a group of guys after that that mostly either bounced around the league or that Miami just picked up and developed them into the players that they are today. Again, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, uh, 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 Vincent, Robinson. And they're doing this again with no Oladipo and no Tyler Hero. Again, it is mind-blowing what the Heat are doing right now. And again, uh, the, and I saw this too on uh, ESPN. ESP, whatever the BPI thing is for ESPN, I still don't know what BPI stands for. They have got to fire their either their people are massive Celtics fans, or they're just really inaccurate. 
Remember BPI last year, ESPN's BPI in the before the finals? I remember so well as a Warriors fan. They gave the Golden State Warriors a 14% chance to win the series. And Boston, of course, 86%. It's like, okay, Boston may win. <laughs> They're acting like Boston's going to sweep Golden State. And, of course, the Warriors, uh, well, we do what we do, and that's win championships. Coming into the series, they gave Miami like a below 10% chance to win. The Heat are up 3-0. Now, for context, 149 teams in NBA history have been down three games to none. All 149 lost the series. Only three, by the way, I learned this today, only three have forced a game seven. But, of course, all three lost in that game seven. BPI still gives the Boston Celtics a 70% chance to win this series. So not like a chance, like, hey, 25%. Even that would be like, ah, 25%, that's push. 70 so either they're delusional Celtics fans that work over there, or they've got to change their system because it doesn't work. Okay, like they gotta they gotta make some changes over there. Like that, I don't know what that's supposed to mean for the Boston side, though. Uh, I am not one who believes in placing all the blame on one person when a team loses. It's t- it's a team game, it's team effort. Now your best players, if they don't play well, should get the most blame because we expect more out of them. And I'll talk about the Lakers in just a second. But I feel very comfortable in saying if we're going to do like a blame meter or a blame rankings list or whatever for the bosses, a blame pie, if you will, 95% of that pie, blame pie, goes to Joe Missoula. I don't want to be brutal on Joe Missoula because the reality is he was never even supposed to be in this position as the Boston Celtics head coach when he recognized the fact that Emi Odoka, you had the infidelity scandal. They move on from him. Will Hardy, who was their number one assistant, well, he had already left to go be the head coach of the Utah Jazz. So your number one assistant's gone. Your head coach, who coached you to the best defense in the league over the second half of last season, helped you get to within two wins of an NBA championship. He's gone. His number one assistant leaves to go to Utah to be their head coach. And now you're left with this 31-year-old, Joe Missoula, who's never been a head coach in his life. Obviously, Joe Missoula is like, man, you kidding me? You want to make me the head coach of the Boston Celtics? Heck yeah. Of course he took the job. But watching Eric Spolstra versus Joe Missoula in this series, the coaching matchup, it's like watching Clayton Kershaw pitch against a high schooler. It's not even close. The adjustments that... Spo has made in terms of what lineups to use against certain certain lineups bosses use. Again, Jalen Brown has been truly awful in this series. And I, I'm a big Jalen Brown defender, and I'll give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because he does have an injured hand. But <laughs> I don't know what's up with Jalen Brown. Al Horford is really struggling in this series. Jason Tatum has yet to make a shot. In the fourth quarter of the series, he hasn't made a shot yet. They didn't play last night because they were getting their you-know-what's kicked. Marcus Smart has been almost unplayable in the series. And he keeps keeps going to him. Keeps going to him. Lack of adjustments, not knowing what buttons to push. Again, this is, aside from Malcolm Brogdon, this is literally the exact same Celtics roster that just made it to the finals last year. Same guys. Tatum, Brown, Smart. Horford, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. And they're getting bullied in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
By the way, this is kind of the same Heat team from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, except there's no Oladipo. Hero was injured. Tyler Hero was injured in that series as well. You didn't have Kevin Love. We understand that. But it's basically identical rosters here. Heat pushed him to a game seven. If Jimmy Butler makes a three, we're having a different conversation about who's playing in that finals that year. And now this season, we're looking at the Boston Celtics and like, dang, they need to, they need to blow it up. Do we need to separate Tatum and Brown? I don't think so. I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, you got to break Tatum and Brown up. Folks, again, they just made a finals last year. They say, well, this was the year for them to take advantage. The Eastern Conference was a little all over the place. Milwaukee lost in round one. The Knicks were better than we thought. The Cavs went out in round one. Philadelphia did what Philadelphia tends to do, and that's collapse in the second round. Who's to say that the East won't be topsy-turvy next year? By the way, can you tell me a more attractive job than the Boston Celtics? Milwaukee, maybe. Maybe. But... With Boston, you've got a top 10 player in Jason Tatum, a top 20 player in Jalen Brown, a tremendous group of role players, great veteran leadership. By the way, Danilo Gallinari's coming back next year. People forget about that. Gallinari was supposed to be a huge pickup for the Boston Celtics, and he, I forgot, tore his knee up uh, during the summer playing overseas. So that would have been a good stretch four guy to knock down an open three-point shot. He's an okay defender. It feels a little bit Golden State-ish where... One catastrophic preseason event wrecks the season. Where you have the Draymond Green Jordan Poole incident, and the Warriors never quite recovered from it. And now with Joe Missoula, he steps into this role after the Ime Odoka firing when he really wasn't supposed to be in that role at all. And all of a sudden, the Celtics are here getting it absolutely handed to them in these Eastern Conference finals. So, uh, Safe to say from here on out, uh, I think people probably need to ignore the whole ESPN BPI thing. Uh, Boston's not winning this series. And uh, Boston's not winning game four tomorrow night. It's, I hate to be the, the bear of bad news there, but uh, those guys have packed it in. You saw Charles Barkley after the game. They were talking to Gabe Vincent. And uh, Gabe Vincent says something along the lines of, listen, we know they're a good team. They're going to come out fighting in game four. And Chuck's, Chuck said something along the in true Charles Barkley fashion. Said, yeah, like, uh, like yeah, that ain't what the tape said. <laughs> they didn't fight in this game. And they still, listen, they, they still had a chance to win the series. Plenty of teams have come back from 2-0. And Boston's a good enough team to do it. This game, they flat out quit. They quit. And you hear Joe Mazzula after the game talking about, you know, I, I didn't... Uh, have them ready to play. It's like, man, if you can't have them ready to play in this game, that's a big indictment. So, again, I'm also not a huge person. Like, oh, just fire the coach. Let's just fire the coach. I'm about to get to that with the Lakers in just a second. Not a big fire the coach uh, person on this show, unless it's just not working. It's not working. Since the Eastern Conference Finals, I would argue again, Atlanta took them six games. Atlanta was a mess this year. They brought in a new coach in Quinn Snyder. Who I, I really like Quinn Snyder, but he only had a couple months to work with the team. Uh, they're awful defensively. And that series went six games. Philadelphia literally could not take advantage of a game in which Jason, Jason Tatum was garbage for the first three and a half quarters. But it's playoff Embiid, it's playoff Harden, and it's playoff Doc. Not a great combination. And credit to Boston for taking advantage. Now the first time they play a healthy, whole, 
well-coached team, they've imploded. Boston's not in a situation where they can just fool around. Listen, title windows close quicker than we give them credit for. I don't think you should blow it up between Tatum and Brown. They've both been well below their standard in this series. And they deserve blame for it. That's why I said 95% of the blame on Joe Mazzullo. 5%, I'll say, uh, you know, two on Tatum, two on Brown, and 1% on everybody else. Because this is a coaching mismatch. Uh, but wow. I, 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 listen, I, I, am, I also picked the Lakers to win the Western Conference Finals, so it certainly appears I'm about to go 0 for 2 on my Conference Finals picks. But... I don't have a sick feeling to my stomach about doing that. First of all, I, I'm a Warriors fan, so seeing the Lakers just season go down in flames is beautiful to me. But also, I could have seen the avenue in which Denver won the series. I was like a, a guy who backed the Lakers all season or backed the Nuggets all season and then abandoned Denver at the last second. Like, what a situation like that. Miami, I believed in them all season long. All season. In February, I did my pretenders and contenders segment, which I do every year post-All-Star break. And I said Philly was the Philadelphia 76ers were pretenders and the Miami Heat were contenders. And people thought I was nuts. The Heat got bounced. I'm sorry, the Sixers got bounced in round two in typical Sixers fashion. And the Miami Heat are about to make the NBA Finals for the second time in the last four years. Got a comment here from Patrick Brown. What's up, Patrick? Boston isn't as good without Ime Udoka. Defense isn't as crisp, and it seems like they've just tuned out their head coach. And that's the thing, too, is when you lose the locker room, you're done. You cannot get that back. I mean, show me the instance of when the coach has just been totally, like as Patrick brings up, tuned out by the team. Uh, you can lose games. You cannot lose the locker room. And the way Joe Mazzula was talking after the game in the postgame presser, yeah, it sounds like that's kind of the case. So, uh, again, this is, we talk about teams that are going to have important offseasons. Like the Golden State Warriors, this is like crucial offseason for Golden State. Do you retain Bob Myers, keep Draymond Green? You know, what do you do with Clay Thompson? Uh, are you able to move Jordan Poole? What, are you going to put some veterans around the team, which I really think they need to do? What does Philadelphia do? I feel like Philadelphia is in a worse shape than anybody. What does Milwaukee do at head coach? They need to make some adjustments to their roster. Boston's fine. Like Boston just made the finals last year with a bad coach. Just made the Eastern Conference Finals this year. It's make one move and you're good. Make the right hire head coach. You're, everything, everything's great. It's that simple. So, like, sometimes it, teams really are just a coach away, and Boston feels that way. Like this isn't a oh you you blow up Tatum and Brown. No, no, that <laughs> this two has worked pretty well uh, over over the last uh, over the last couple of seasons, and I don't see any reason now. Jalen Brown might want to leave. I know there's been, he did an interview recently, I think with The Athletic, where he was talking about he's been kind of frustrated with constantly being in trade talks. Anytime, you know, Boston's talking to this team, like during the Kevin Durant situation where KD wanted out of Brooklyn, he kept hearing Jalen Brown's name being flown out there by the Boston Celtics. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I've made multiple All-Star games. I'm an All-NBA player, and you guys just keep shopping me. Like, are you kidding? Of course that'd make a guy frustrated. Who? He's human. I mean, that, that, I think that's how any of us would react. Uh, so if you're able to retain Jalen Brown, make the right, uh, you know, replacement head coach, you're good. You're, you, you know, you're a favorite. You're one of the two, three best teams in the East. Right, not three. You're one of the two best teams in the East next season. Be it Miami, be it Milwaukee. We'll see. See what the Knicks do this offseason, too. I think it's a very important offseason for, uh, for the Knicks. To the Western Conference Finals. 
Again, I did pick the Lakers to win this series in six games. Clearly, I was wrong on that. Uh, it's not like breaking my heart that I'm wrong about that. I mean, I'm a Warriors fan, so I'm not like in tears about the Lakers season going up in smoke. Uh, again, let's talk about the winning team first. Let's talk about the Denver Nuggets. So, uh, again, we, I talked about playoff Jimmy and who he is and what he represents. But I've been saying this for the longest time. It's it's, and I just you know put a video on social media the other day. It's about time to start talking about Jamal Murray in the great playoff performer uh, conversation. This is what he's been doing. I talk about he's got multiple fifty point playoff games. He's got three forty point games in elimination situations. Uh, he has been you know this is the second year that they're going, they're going to give out conference finals MVPs. Jimmy Butler's no doubt going to get it for Miami, and I think it's as great as Jokic has been in this series, and he's been magnificent. I think you got to give it to Jamal Murray. Jokic was the man in game one, had a off-ish, it didn't play bad in game two, but wasn't quite himself, and Jamal obviously had that, was a 23-point uh, fourth quarter scoring. And then uh, the Saturday night in LA, dropped freaking 30 in the first half. And then his teammates, uh, he, he struggled a little bit in the second half, but his teammates helped him in the end. Again, Denver won, by the way, 119 to 108 over the Lakers to take a 3-0 series lead. Uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon played good defense. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., I think, is really starting to elevate himself into those that that conversation of the best number three options in the league. It was no Jokic is the first option, Murray's the second option. Michael Porter Jr. is having himself a heck of a series on both ends of the floor, particularly uh shooting from distance. Uh Bruce Brown just continues to play well. Like I, I love watching Bruce Brown play basketball. He's again, we talk about great uh, two-way guards. Drew Holiday to me is absolutely at the very top of that discussion. No questions asked. Uh, you know, we put Mar Marcus Smart's been horrible in the Eastern Conference Finals, but Marcus Smart certainly is in that discussion. Good shot maker, just one defensive player of the year last year. We got to start talking about Bruce Brown in that discussion. I mean, this is a guy who shoots. Over 50% every night, plays great defense, be it on Schroeder, Austin Reeves, whoever. And this is a Denver Nuggets team, and this is somebody somebody else I've always defended. I, 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 there's certain individuals in sports, be it players or coaches, that get so much criticism, and I really don't get why. Mike Malone's one of those guys. Like we, This notion that Mike Malone always just, he's not the right guy for this situation. Why? I've always been a Mike Malone guy. He makes adjustments. Again, he did coach a team to back-to-back, -back, and this has never been done before, back-to-back 3-1 comebacks in 2020. Maybe now that I think about it, and this is ultimate revisionist history, I totally acknowledge that, maybe we shouldn't be all that shocked with why Denver's here. There's a little, dare I say, Golden State parallel, where, remember, Golden State's not healthy for two years. Clay was out. Steph dealt with injuries that first year. Uh, so did Draymond. Katie had just left. But you make the deal for Wiggins. Okay, you got the building blocks. The next year, Clay gets hurt again. Steph and Draymond are back, but they miss the playoffs. And the very second they get fully healthy, they go on a tear in the playoffs and win the championship. Doesn't it feel a little similar with Denver? The last time they were healthy, they were three wins away from the NBA Finals. Just to come fresh off of two 3-1 comebacks against the Utah Jazz in the first round and the Los Angeles Clippers of the second round. And they were a top three seed in 2021 until Jamal Murray went down. Credit to Jokic for keeping them afloat and keeping them at the three seed, but they just flat out did not have enough to go on a run. Phoenix swept them in the second round. Last year, again, no Jamal Murray. He, again, still hadn't recovered from the ACL. 
you know, Denver gets the playoffs and Golden State completely dismantles them in five games. And now the second they're fully healthy, they're the one seed, they blow through Minnesota, they take care of Phoenix in the second round, and they're on the verge of a sweep against the Lakers who I thought were going to go win the championship. Like, is 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 it... There's a, again, I feel like there's a real Golden State parallel here. Not, not talking about dynasty. Denver's never even been to a finals in their history looking to change that for their hopes tonight. But listen, uh, I underestimated Denver. Now, for the record, I talked about I believe in the Heat all season long. I had them as a contender when nobody else did, a, 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 you know, three months ago, basically. I had Denver as a contender. It was hard not to. Great offensively. Really good defensively. Don't didn't get enough credit for how good they were on that end of the floor. Uh, obviously, Jokic had a tremendous year. I would have been. I was on the record saying this. No way I would have voted for Jokic for MVP this year, but I would have been more okay with him winning it this year than the last two. Because I think he was more valuable to the Nuggets this year than the last two seasons. Uh, but I'll tell you this though, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, that that is starting to emerge as I heard somebody suggest, is it the best duo in basketball? I mean, is that, is that a crazy thing to say? I think if there's plenty of other duos, a KD and Devin Booker, LeBron and AD is still a very good duo. Let's not overreact. Uh, but you win a championship here, uh, we're going to have to start having that discussion. Because Jokic and definitely Murray, you can always count on them to show up in the postseason, especially Murray. Patrick Brown, who is a Lakers fan, by the way, has a uh, Lakers podcast here called uh, here at the Grid called The Forum. Uh, Patrick says, Jamal Murray has hurt the Lakers. We can't get a clamp on him. That's been a problem since the series started. And again, I don't think Patrick is necessarily, you can't defend him. They play, I mean, Schroeder and, and everybody who, Hachimura was on him a little bit in game two. They played solid defense. He's just making some tough shots. Sometimes Mark Jackson says it all the time. Mark Jackson, former coach of the Warriors and obviously uh, is, is on ABC now, you know, calling games. Mark Jackson always says, great offense beats great de defense. Like some, sometimes you do everything you can, you play great defense, the guy just made the shot. Like that's, that. sometimes the cookie crumbles that way. Like it's not been like, oh, the Lakers just been falling asleep and he's getting easy. But no, like he's, there was one shot he hit in the paint that was, I was like, God, I can't believe he hit that. Where he's, I forgot it was on him. I'm, I'm totally blanking on the Lakers that was defending. I know it was, it was one of their good wing defenders. And he dr drives in the paint, stops, does a little pump fake, and then fades away. We're talking like three, four feet away from the basket with a hand right in his face. I'm like, man, well, you can't do anything about that. Like, that's that's just a guy made a shot, and you shake his hand. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do about that. For the Lakers, though. So I started today's show with an apology. Or, yeah, asking for forgiveness from the Miami Heat's fan base. And I certainly hope. Please, Miami. Please, please forgive me. I uh, I feel I'm owed an apology by a lot of Lakers fans. I really do. How many Lakers fans 13 months ago were just done with Frank Vogel? Done. Oh, you can't. You can't. He can't make adjustments, and he can't, yeah, you know, he can't get us to the stage, even though the last time he had a healthy team with Frank Vogel, you won the championship and did it quite easily. Be that as it may, oh, we're done with Frank Vogel. And I, and I said on the show, check the tape, Vogel's just a scapegoat. He's not the problem. You gave last year, you gave Frank Vogel a Lakers team last year that had LeBron, who's great, AD, who's never available, 
and Russell Westbrook. We that that's pretty self-explanatory. And a roster with a bunch of old guys. I mean, had, I hate to take a shot at him because I'm going to talk about him in the next segment, Carmelo Anthony. But she had an old Carmelo Anthony, an old Rajon Rondo for a time, an old DeAndre Jordan. Like a bunch of old. I think Dwight Howard was on the team. An old Dwight Howard, like. That, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna put you in championship just, uh, the championship conversation. I hate to tell you, Laker Nation, Frank Vogel is not the problem. What you did is you gave Frank Vogel flour, salt, and chocolate chips, and asked him to make a filet mignon. Like that's the, <laughs> you gave him something, and it, it, what is he supposed to do with that? But oh, we're done with you can't you can't bring Frank Vogel back. Well, they, they didn't, and they brought in Darvin Ham and. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To their credit, made the deals of the deadline. Rob Palenka, to me, I still maintain, should have been executive of the year. With the way he helped save this Lakers season, bringing in all these pieces. But, Darvin Ham's incapable of making adjustments, as has been the criticism of him all season long. Why does he keep playing D'Angelo Russell? <laughs> the plus-minus, when I haven't, I haven't checked it uh, today, but I saw it that when the game was over on Saturday night, the plus-minus when D'Lo's on the floor versus off the floor, it's like, why is this guy on the floor tonight? He's been horrible in this series on both ends of the floor, and he keep playing him. Frank Vogel wouldn't have done that. Lonnie Walker is kind of struggling to get in a rhythm because his minutes are all over the place. You're struggling with the minutes in terms of when to play LeBron, when to play AD, who to put on Jokic. It's like these little things that, and I'm not going to sit here and act like Frank Vogel's like Steve Kerr or Eric Spolster or something, but Frank Vogel's a good coach. I mean, he coached those Pacers team back to the day. That's the last time the Pacers were like a genuine great team, like a borderline championship contender. He was having, remember the big three heat, how good they were? Yeah, you know, Vogel's Pacers were t- pushing them to the brink. If I'm not mistaken, I think they might have once went to a game seven. So we we got we, we to gotta stop with this. We fire the coach when the problem is the roster doesn't work. And I said, I remember from the, I mean, from the jump, when the Lakers in 2021 made all these deals, bring back all these old guys, and everybody's like, oh, they're the favorites to win the West. I'm like, are they a playoff team? And people thought it was nuts, and sure enough, they they failed to even make the play-in tournament. Vogel was not the issue, okay? He, he wasn't. He, he gave him pieces that didn't work and asked him to make it a championship contender. It's too much to ask. I'm not sure Phil Jackson could have made that a championship contender last year. I'm just telling you, the series would not be 3-0 if that guy was still the Lakers' head coach. That was my takeaway from Game 3. Just personally. John Rivera, what's up, John? John from the Fan Perspective Podcast. He says, D'Lo costing himself millions. Yeah, that's because he's a free agent this offseason, and yeah, this is this is not a good look for him. Uh, John, John, Heat versus Denver Finals views are going to be low. I was actually thinking about that last night. Like, man, these are not... which. 
the Heat, I would say, are like a tier two brand in the NBA. Like the big brands of the league are the Lakers, Celtics, Knicks. I think the Warriors have honestly played themselves in that discussion. Look how big the ratings are for the Golden State Warriors anytime they play a, a primetime game. But I'd say the Heat are like tier two. Now, Nuggets, you know, Nuggets aren't a very popular team nationally because they're in that mountain standard uh, time zone. You know, they're kind of overshadowed by the other teams out West, like the Lakers and the Warriors, even the Clippers, the Kings this year, Phoenix with Kevin Durant. But I think it's going to be a really good series. I actually think this is going to be a very, it's kind of like 2021. We were like, ah, really? We got boss. I'm sorry. Uh, we got Milwaukee and, and Phoenix in the finals. It ended up being really entertaining. I, I think this could actually be a really good series. Um, and something else too for the Lakers. Again, Number one takeaway was, wow, they screwed up in firing Vogel. And the second thing is, Bron James got to be better. Bron hasn't had a very good series. And I'm a guy who has been consistent on, I still think he's the best player in the Lakers because you do not know. I should have brought a coin up here. You do not know what you're getting from Coin Flip Davis, thus the name that I gave him back in the first round. But LeBron hasn't played that well either. Again, he is shooting sub-30% from the field in the fourth quarter of these, at this series. And again, the games have been close. It's, it's not like Boston and Miami where one team is just totally out-scheming the other, out-executing the other. Uh, one team has far and away the best player in the series, the better shooting. Like That's not it. Like These, are been, these have been tight games in the fourth quarter. Again, game one was a, do the math here, Let's see. Yeah, game one was a 14-point game. So, I'll, you know, that aside, but it was still, Lakers had a chance to win there at the end. They made a, a nice little run. Game two, Lakers actually had the lead. Game two, the Lakers were up by three going in the fourth quarter. And in game three last night, the Lakers actually were only down uh, by two and took the lead to start the fourth quarter. LeBron James, the best player on the team. I still maintain that. You got to find a way to close these games out. And, and, and just all throughout game three, I didn't love LeBron's body language. I didn't love the way he approached the game. I get trying to get those involved. Uh, but LeBron is, is as big of a historian of the game as anybody. Uh, and also has the highest back, basketball IQ, I think, of anybody in history. How he recalls plays from years ago is mind-blowing. But LeBron knows as well as, as we all do. 149 teams have been down 3-0 in history. All 149 have lost. You got to get game three. If not, the series is over. I hear a lot of people, well, you know, LeBron led the Cavs to a 3-1 comeback and it had never been down the finals. Folks, 3-1 is, 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 is feasible. It is. It's, it is possible. 13 teams have done it. Like, it's not like two or three. 13 teams have done it in NBA history, which is actually a pretty good number when you think about it over the course of 76 years. 3 has never been done before. Like, this this isn't, this is going to happen. In order for a 3-1 comeback to, uh, sorry, a 3-0 comeback to occur, Denver would have to impart self-implode. Or in other words, choke. Like, that that would have to come into play for Denver to lose the series. Uh, it's, it's, it's not happening. Uh, but again, LeBron, 23-12-7. Good stat line, but inefficient. Didn't play that well in the fourth quarter. Missed some easy shots. And again, LeBron's settling a little bit. That's the thing I have not liked from the series from LeBron is he is, we talk about he's attempting too many threes. And I've said, is it a strategy from LeBron? Because we talk about, I mean, he's shooting like 
70 60 to 70% from two. It's like, man, why does he keep just attacking the rim? Some of that is, and this is not taking any blame for LeBron. He's 38 in year 20. Another long playoff run. A lot more tread on the tires. Maybe he's trying to save that energy for the fourth quarter, but then again, he's settled in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if that's necessarily a strategy for LeBron. Uh, so I, I haven't liked what I've seen in the series. I think he plays well tonight. I think the Lakers win. Uh, I think they avoid the sweep and then they get closed out on Wednesday uh, in Denver. But no, I, I have not loved LeBron's um, uh, mentality this series. John Rivera, Tatum is a number one. Yeah, I, I think he is. I think he still is, John. John, I, I'm more of a Tatum defender than most. Uh, and again, like I said in the opening segment, I think 95% of the blame goes to Missoula. That's not to take blame from Tatum or Brown because they have not been good at all in this series. Really, none of the Celtics have been good in this series. But aside from Brogdon, same roster that made the finals last year. Same team that beat the same Heat team. Now, this Heat team is Kevin Love, but same Celtics team outside of Brogdon that beat the same Heat team outside of Kevin Love last year. Same uh, Boston team that had a 2-1 lead on Golden State in the finals. And now, you know, not to deviate, I'll get back to Lakers Nuggets, but they talk about Boston, how great they were defensively last year. Uh, in this series, they've given up 123, 111, 128. Like those Eastern Conference finals last year, uh, you know, Miami was struggling. I remember to break like 90. Yeah, so they, they, they really miss him. Uh, John, John, I think Brown might ask for a sign and trade. He might. Again, he he is he has been increasingly frustrated with his role in Boston. The fact that he just year after year keeps getting floated around in trade talks. Eventually that gets kind of old. And so, yeah, I could now if that's the, if they lose Brown, now it depends on what they get back. If they were to, dare I say, get Dame in Portland. Okay, that's different. A Dame and Tatum duo? Okay, that's that's dangerous. You guys know what I think about Dame. I love Dame. Philip Austin is the best player this series. Talking about the Lakers, he is going to get a bag. Oh, he's, oh, he's getting the bag, all right. You better believe that. The way he's played this, not just the series, but all season long. Uh, I actually saw Austin Rivers say on a podcast today, he said that, uh, let me get the quote right, because I have it uh, on my social media. I put it up there. Austin Reeves said, uh, he said, if you're talking, he said, quote, if you're talking skill level to skill level, Austin Reeves is nowhere near Jordan Poole. Now, I agree. Poole's got the better handle. He's the overall better shooter. But I'd take Austin Reeves over Jordan Poole without thinking. At least Austin Reeves doesn't turn the ball over a lot, doesn't take incredibly idiotic shots. Like, it's Poole's shots. Like, I don't want to think about Jordan Poole today. I've, I've, I'm actually had a pretty good day today with the Lakers being down 3-0. But, yeah, I don't want to think about it. But no, neither is that all that good defensively. But yeah, that that's yeah. Long story short, if 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 we could if we could swap Reeves for or pull for Reeves, I, I'll take it. Little's like you know, John. I mentioned a sign and trade with Brown, and we could do a sign and trade with with Reeves. He'd be a great fit with the Splash Brothers. I'll tell you that much. Just saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Philip says uh, he he he's, he's going to get the bag hopefully from us. Yeah, I think the Lakers retain Reeves. I I, I do. I think they. I don't think they're going to let him go. I don't, uh, but I will get to somebody who they think uh, they might want this offseason. Talk about the Lakers. Uh, this offseason, I think, would be a horrendous move. 
John, John, it's the books. LeBron reads. I'll tell you that that is that you know if I ever got the the pleasure to interview LeBron James, that would be a question I'd ask. Like anytime we see you reading a book, you're always at the beginning. Like it's. I don't, I don't know. It's always been a, it's always been a mystery. Like there's like a literally like, compilation of LeBron reading a book and he's like literally at, like, I'm talking about like the first couple of pages. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a big reader. So I just, I, I take offense to it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Philip Jalen Brown to the Hawks, Raptors or jazz possibly. <sighs> well, they all have the assets to go get him. And I'm going to talk about Toronto actually at the end of t- today's show there. They interviewed Steve Nash today, which I do not get at all. I don't really know what Toronto's plan is right now because I've got obviously a great young player, Scotty Barnes, two all-star caliber players in Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. Uh, I just don't really know what they're. If they acquire Jalen Brown, what's the, I always say, what's the end goal? Okay. They're a playoff team. Maybe they're bouncing around one. Like, I don't know if that really makes sense. Hawks though is interesting because Brown's a good defender. You trade DeJounte Murray, obviously, would have to be included in that deal. Uh, I doubt the Celtics would want Capella because they've already got Robert Williams. So they've got their shot blocker and, and rim runner. Uh, maybe Bogdanovich is included in that deal. That, that makes sense. I mean, a Trey and Jalen Brown backcourt would be pretty good. Uh, and then the Jazz. Jazz. Now, the Jazz would make sense uh, because they have, a obviously, a ton of assets. Uh, Danny Ainge is, is just fleecing the league right now. Now, they've got a... Like Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City's got a bunch of picks. The Spurs have a bunch of picks. You got to cash on the picks. Like you can't just go bust, bust, bust. Otherwise, those picks went for nothing. But Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'd at least consider if I were the Jazz, because that's a guy, how old is Jalen Brown? What is he, 26, 27? And he's in the pretty much the prime of his career. Let's let's check just super fast. Uh, Jalen Brown, he is twenty. Oh, he's twenty six years old, uh, and he turns twenty seven at the start of next season. So he's in like the prime of his career. But is also this is his seventh year in the NBA. Kind of a good you know veteran presence for a lot of the young guys Utah has. So that could work. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Now, what would Boston get in return though? It have to probably Markinen. Uh, I guess Markinen. I doubt they take Walker Kessler because I think the Jazz kind of want to use him as one of their building pieces. I don't know. Or some draft or some draft picks, which, you know, how's like, now that I think about it, I don't know if that, the trade makes sense for Utah. I don't think it makes any sense for Boston now that I think about it. Because they can include Markin in, in a deal, but, I mean, Sexton, you know, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, like, I, I don't know what, they would have to get a player on the same level as Jalen Brown. And the Jazz simply don't have that. Again, I think Jalen's a top 20 player in the league. All right, moving to a guy. We got some news today, this morning, that one of the greatest players, one of the 75 greatest players of all time, decided uh, to hang up his sneakers. Carmelo Anthony announces retirement today on social media after 19 NBA seasons. Obviously, he didn't play this year because he didn't play for anybody. So, because he played his last game of his career last season, 
he'll be eligible for the class of 2026 in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. There is no question when you look at his resume uh, that he's going to be there. Carmelo Anthony uh, in his career uh, obviously was a a 10-time NBA All-Star, a six-time All-NBA, the ninth leading scorer in NBA history, uh, which people don't know that's top 10 all-time in scoring, uh, won the scoring title in 2013, has three Olympic gold medals. So he's one of our greatest uh, Olympian players of all time. Uh, and obviously in in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, they take your overseas career. Uh, they take Olympic play. So again, the three gold medals mean a lot to his Hall of Fame case. And they also take your college career. And Melo won a championship, a national championship at Syracuse back in 2003 and was obviously a top five pick in what was one of the greatest drafts of all time. LeBron went number one. Uh, gosh, oh yeah, Wade went three. I think it was, I, f- I always forget if it's, it was Bosch or Melo. I should know this. I'm pretty sure Melo went four, Bosch went fifth. Uh, Chris Bosch to the Toronto Raptors and Melo obviously to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, here's what I think Melo's career is going to look like. Career. What his legacy is going to look like. He's, he's, he just ended his career. Uh, he's obviously unquestionably one of the greatest scorers of all time. You talk about a guy who could beat you in the mid-range, who was an underrated finisher at the rim, and had a solid three-point shot that actually got better in the latter stages of his career. If you think about his time in Portland, uh, he was a solid three-point shooter with the Lakers last year. So, all-around score, that was that was a specialty. He could get anywhere he wanted on the floor, get any shot he wanted. I saw, I think it was Caleb, was it Caleb Martin? It was somebody who played for the Charlotte Hornets who talked about when they played Melo a couple of years ago, when... Mello, Mello's first 10 makes all were swishes. Like, none of them hit the rim. So, he was a marksman. Like, there's no question about that in terms of how he scored the basketball. Uh, obviously, he has the, he also has the Madison Square Garden record for the most points ever scored there with 62. Uh, and also, he is, I always, I, I love those compilations they make of Carmelo Anthony grabbing rebounds uh, where he says, get the blank out of here. Like, it's literally, uh, get the, out of my way. You know, I, I, I love that from him. Uh, now, he was a, I think, below average defender is putting it nicely. Uh, he never was one to, you know, take the best player on the other team, which I, I don't really knock him for, but it, it's part of his career. And what I think Melo will be remembered as at the end of the day is a slightly lesser version, different games, but similar legacies, a slightly lesser version than Carl Malone. Carl Malone won an MVP. Carl Malone was, for the longest time, the second all-time leading scorer in history. Now he's three, obviously, behind LeBron and Kareem. Uh, never won any championships. Never was all that great defensively. Always left you wanting a little more out of their careers. That, I feel like, is Melo. One of the 75 greatest players of all time. Not even a debate. Uh, but was never a guy who you could build around and was never, and this is key to me to, I'm talking about the Mount Rushmore players, which I'm not saying I'm not holding Melo to that standard, but I'm talking about the icons of the sport. Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Magic Bird, those guys. Melo never made guys better. Certainly to the level that those guys did. Obviously LeBron to me is a class by himself in terms of, this took some terrible Cleveland teams to the finals for crying out loud. Jordan, made teams better, uh, teammates better. Not to the extent LeBron did, but Scotty Pippen would not have had the career he had without Michael. Uh, he sort of helped revive Dennis Rodman's career. You think about Larry Bird, the guys that he made better. Uh, you think about Magic Johnson, again, probably the greatest passer of all time, 
Uh, certainly the greatest point guard of all time, although I think Steph is literally right in his heels. By the way, Steph, somebody who's made guys better. Does Clay Thompson have the career he has without Steph? Does Draymond have the career he has without Steph? Heck, does... I'm going to go here. Does KD have the career he has? The legacy he has without Steph? Andre Iguodala, like... That was the only, and that's something else too that I do holding its mellow a little bit is that in the twilight years of his career, he's out of his prime, but is still a very effective player in the NBA. He was asked to come off the bench and he laughed at the idea. He literally laughed at the idea. Didn't he, I think uh, he like looked over at the PR guys like, man, they really said they want me to come off the bench. And he was out of the league. Signed with Houston, Houston was a disaster. The, I remember this, the disaster the first part of the 2018 season. They let Melo go. They take off, end up having a pretty solid year before Golden State knocked them out in the second round. Melo didn't play basketball for a year because people were like, we, we'd love to have him, but if, he, if he's not willing to come off the bench, because he could really be a real asset there, coming off the bench. Comes to Portland, and for a time, he does come off the bench and is a good role player. Same thing in LA with the Lakers. Good role player. Uh, you know, we talk about unselfish players. Think about Steph Curry, for example. How many times has Steph Curry come back from injury in the playoffs? Steve Kerr says, hey, you want to come off the bench? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll come off the bench. Steph Curry, who's no offense to Melo, night and day gap between those two. LeBron, by the way, this year came off the bench, come off of injury. Melo didn't really want to do that. But again, absolutely no questions asked first about Hall of Famer. Not, not even, no, like, let's, that's silly to even suggest otherwise. He'll be in the class of 2026. Uh, he had a fantastic career. To me, what I'm going to remember Melo for personally is his off court endeavors. What he did advancing social justice. I know, I'm pretty sure he won the first ever uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar Social Justice Award for the NBA, which he absolutely deserved. He does a fantastic job in the community. I loved his retirement video where he was talking about. Uh, he's talking about his son and saying that for now, from now until forever, or something like that, my legacy is now yours. Like you will carry on my legacy. And so I thought that was a really, really cool moment. Uh, you see players all around the NBA, CP3, LeBron James, obviously Melo's part of the banana boat crew with LeBron, D Wade, CP3, and Melo, of course. So fantastic career. One of our greatest Olympian players of all time, won a gold medal in 08, 2012, and 2016. And uh, wish him the absolute best. I know he's going to crush retirement off the court uh, with his endeavors. Uh, and again, is unquestionably one of the greatest players of all time. Patrick Brown, if the Detroit Pistons had drafted Melo, he would have been a champion. But shoulda, coulda, woulda. Melo still had a solid career. I think he had a more than solid. I think he had a tremendous career. Uh, and it's it's not that I don't necessarily hold the no championship things against him. Because reality is, there's a lot of great players that don't have championships. Uh, again, mentioned Carl Ballone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, uh, Reggie Miller. Well, Reggie's not in the category of those guys that I love Reggie, but plenty of guys who didn't win championships and still had amazing careers. This is certainly Patrick Ewing. Uh, does it add to your legacy? Of course it does. Uh, but as far as the thing that I sort of am hesitant about with Mello in terms of his legacy, it's, it's not necessarily the no rings that, you know, just makes me, you know, sort of back up. It's the fact that he didn't necessarily make guys around him better. That, that's to me the knock on him is Not necessarily the no rings. Because uh, again, there's a, there's a lot of players with the, that don't have that. But he had a fantastic career. There's no question about it. Okay. Uh, I try to... 
I'm very selective with, with you know what I do my topics for, and I don't want to be like repetitive. I don't want to be. I don't want to listen. I hate to call out like names of shows and stuff, but yeah, you know, I listen. I watch all the shows. I watch ESPN and, and Fox Sports, and I read articles from certain outlets in, in sports. Uh, Skip and Shannon are like one of the best duos, you know, in sports television. I'm not in the slightest bit, not in the slightest bit, a Skip Bayless fan. Love Shannon. Undisputed could be a bit repetitive <laughs> with their topics, so that's what I try not to do. But I got to circle right back to the Los Angeles Lakers because this, to me, I don't want to sound like Giannis and say, oh, this was a successful year. No, listen, they win, they're not going to win the championship this year, so it's not a successful year, but it is something they can build off of. And again, given how much of a disaster it was, again, they were coming off the year in which they won 33 games, didn't even make the play-in tournament, you come back the next season and you're in 13th place in February before Rob Palenka makes all the deals of the deadline. Now, in January, he went and got Rui Hachimura. At the deadline, he got, I know he's kind of the doghouse right now with Lakers fans, rightfully so, but D'Angelo Russell did help this team you know, get to where it was. They brought in Mo Bamba, who's expected, by the way, to be available tonight. Should be a good boost for the Lakers, again, who I think will win tonight. Uh, they brought in uh, Lonnie Walker. I'm sorry, Brian Lonnie Walker. Sorry, that was a free agent signing. They brought in Malik Beasley. They brought in plenty of guys who really helped them uh, get to this point in the season. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, needless to say, the Lakers have a ton of momentum. I think, at least, going into next season. Now, I still am of the mindset, and I have been for uh, two years... Move AD for Damian Lillard, okay? The Dame-LeBron duo, LeBron, I'm sorry, Dame can take the scoring a little off LeBron. You say, well, what about defense? Da-da-da, you got Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba's a tremendous guy inside the paint. You can always add another big, by the way, be it in the offseason or be it at the trade deadline. You know what you're getting from Dame every night. He takes the scoring a little off LeBron. By the way, how about a, a LeBron James, uh, Damian Lillard uh, combination in terms of great pass or great shooter? So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just suggesting it. But I saw a report today uh, from Brian Windhorst, who is one of the premier insiders in the NBA. Also is, is an owner of one of the greatest memes uh, of all time last year. Remember the, the Royce O'Neal? Remember he had everybody on the edge of their seat, like with the Royce O'Neal thing last year. But Brian Windhorst was talking about um, uh, the Lakers and a certain player that they're going to consider signing this off season. Kyrie Irving. Here's the quote from Wendy. Quote, the way this series is ending, the more likely it becomes that Kyrie is ready to come to the Lakers. Now, if the Lakers want to tank a potential championship season, then this is the exact right move to make. 
if they're cool with wasting year 21 of LeBron James, wasting a really good supporting cast, yeah, this is the perfect move to make. Aside from that, it would be literally the dumbest move Rob Polinka has ever made. This would be worse than Westbrook. Kyrie's a better player than Russell Westbrook. But the one thing I've always given Russ, and play, it's, guys, this is why you hear a lot of NBA players defending Russ frequently. That's because they really like him as a guy. And frankly, I, I, I've never met Russ. I like Russ as a guy. I think he's a tremendous dude. See, by all accounts, seems like a good husband, good father, does great, great work within the community, is incredibly uh, giving and very generous. I, I always tell the story about when he stayed in the bubble at the Grand Floridian Resort in Disney World when he left like a, I forgot, it was like a $20,000, something like that, tip to the person cleaning his room. Like just a good all-around dude. Just does not fit a team that's trying to compete for a championship, that I've, which I've said for years. Kyrie Irving's a whole different animal. Not animal. That's that's that's. I don't want to imply anything whatsoever by that. The Kyrie Irving, the cloud that surrounds Kyrie Irving, is a whole different story. Kyrie Irving is a guy who we know over the course of his career, to me, has the greatest handle I've ever seen. I love Steph, Jamal Crawford, Allen Iverson. Nobody can handle the basketball like one Kyrie Irving. He's one of the most. You know, I I'm crazy about efficiency. He's one of the most efficient players in the league. Has a 50-40-90 season on his resume. Is one of, I don't think this is arguable, one of the most entertaining players to watch in the NBA. He's also the one of the most divisive forces I've ever seen in a locker room. At what point, at what point is are our, our teams around the league going to finally pick up on the notion? That maybe, just maybe, all the chaos that surrounds Kyrie may just be Kyrie Irving's fault or issue or problem. Is that a crazy assumption to make? He's traded to Boston. Hate to go over this again, but traded to Boston in the summer of 2017. Gets hurt before the playoffs. The Celtics with a bunch of kids. Tatum and Brown, specifically, got to within one game of the NBA Finals without Kyrie. And so we're thinking, Kyrie joint, you know, comes back healthy next year. We're like, oh, man, Boston's going to be a problem. LeBron just left the Eastern Conference. You know, Toronto, we'll see. And Milwaukee's not ready yet. Oh, Boston's going to be an issue. Yeah, and Kyrie had a horrendous playoff series in the second round against Miami. I'm, I'm sorry, against uh, Milwaukee. And they go down in a gentleman's sweep in five games. And so he leaves to go to Brooklyn. The Nets, that season, had a better record without him. And with him, the next season, he disappears. Disappears for two weeks because he was angered at the Capitol insurrection. Who was it? Who with a sane mind wasn't? But we got to show up to work. Like, if, listen, if Kyrie had to take time away due to a, like a mental health issue, which by the way, I, I saw it the other day, Rui Hachimura did that a season ago when he was with the Washington Wizards. Different story. But we actually found Kyrie Irving uh, at the strip club in that two-week absence. The next season, the vaccine situation. He refuses to get vaccinated and puts the Nets in a situation where he plays some home game. I'm sorry, plays road games, no home games. And by the time he comes back to play home games, the team chemistry is totally off. 
and they get swept in the first round. This year with the Nets, you have the controversy, again, another controversy, with the anti-Semitic film on Amazon. Now, again, why is that film? I haven't checked recently on Amazon, but why is that film even on Amazon to begin with? But point is, he promotes the film, which has blatant anti-Semitic tropes. He issues an apology, which I said on the show didn't feel all that legit, which is what's funny was he was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. He deleted the apology off of social media. So there you go. Dallas is the four seed. The day he takes his first dribble as a Dallas Maverick, the Mavs are the four seed in the Western Conference. At season's end, they failed to make the play-in tournament. They were the four seed in February, two months ago in the regular season. Fell to the 11 seed. Now, I said some blame went on Cuban and Luka as well, but they were they were just fine until Kyrie stepped in. I keep hearing this. Oh, LeBron can fix him. LeBron can't fix him. <laughs> That's Kyrie was a different dude in 2016. He was. Now we can say, oh, you know, bouncer from team to team or certain you know, organizations or situations he's been in, maybe it's brought out who Kyrie really is. I don't know. But this notion that, oh, I remember when the Westbrook was traded there and there were some skeptical Lakers fans like, I don't love the trade, but hey, LeBron can make it work. No, he can't. So LeBron, you know, is incapable of doing that in terms of, you know, whatever resources he has or trying to get to the guy's uh, uh, psyche. No, no, no. Westbrook plays in tunnel vision. LeBron's not changing that. Well, Westbrook's played the same way up to that point for 13 years. LeBron wouldn't change that, and he never did. That's why they traded him. Kyrie's going to be Kyrie. Why do you think? Notice, notice something. And again, I mentioned that players all over the league defend Westbrook like crazy. How many of you seen defend Kyrie? You seen Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown defend Kyrie Irving? You seen uh, Kevin Durant defend Kyrie? You seen Luca defend Kyrie? The Lakers are fine. If you would have told me when they made these moves at the deadline that they'd be in the Western Conference Finals, I'd be like, okay, I like that. Because I remember saying, check the tape. I love the deals the Lakers made at the deadline. But I said, they'll be good. They'll be, you know, they'll make a run. They'll make a push. They'll make the playoffs. And they'll be a championship contender next year. They, they exceeded my expectations. And next year, I think they're as wide open as the West is. Obviously, Denver's bringing everybody back. Golden State is absolutely going to be better next year with without you know any sort of clouds hanging over them. You've got uh, Sacramento is on the rise. I don't think they'll be quite a title contender, but they'll be good. The Lakers will be in that discussion. By the way, I think Phoenix will patch up their roster. They'll be back. We'll just got to see who, who they hire as their new head coach. I think firing Monty Williams was a boneheaded decision. You've got good momentum here, Lakers fans. Don't make... Desperate teams make these type of moves. When a title window is closing fast, that we have seven years of evidence. No, six years. Going on seven if you think about it. There's no market for Kyrie. He was available last year. Had an opportunity not to opt into his one-year deal with the last year of his contract with the Nets. Nobody wanted him. Trade deadline. Request a trade. Who was interested? The Lakers and the Mavs. Why do the Lakers insist on doing this? 
Now, again, as a Warriors fan, I'll be overjoyed if they make this move. Because that, what that'll mean is, A, the Lakers will have gotten rid of some of their assets. So it means like, the, hey, that you know some of the pieces that can maybe hurt the Warriors like they did in the past series are gone. And now that's one team we don't have to worry about in the West. That's one team we don't have to worry about ending our season next year. Why the Lakers would make this move is, is unknown to me. It's uh, Rob Palenka would get, for all the great moves he's made this season at the deadline, he'll undo all that if he signs Kyrie Irving. He'll undo all of it. Lakers will probably be, what, a, a nine seed? Maybe, maybe sneak into the playoffs and get hosed in round one. Heck, they're getting hosed now and there's no Kyrie. It just, it just doesn't. Ugh. Great question here, Patrick. Patrick says, I said in my IG live yesterday, what's Kyrie Irving's commitment to basketball? I'm not trading for a guy who will only play 40% of the season. That's a great question, Patrick. What is his commitment to basketball? Because he seems to find an excuse frequently to miss. I, I don't know. By the way, he's not that reliable physically either. He's had a you know, pretty long injury history. Patrick, this would be detrimental to the Lakers. He won't be allowed to just take PTO on his own time. His behavior won't be tolerated. Sensational player. But I don't know how LeBron would be able to manage Kyrie's off-the-court stuff. It would be all on LeBron to make it work. Then he says that LeBron can't fix Kyrie at this point. It would be a wasted 2024 season instead of competing for a title. In all, and he says in all caps, please, Rob, don't make this move. I mean, it's just uh, why they keep, uh, it, this has been going for about a year. I remember even saying last year when the Lakers were kind of in a much worse spot than they are now. Again, missed the playoffs. The roster makes no sense. They got a, a million free agents. And they were considering making this move. I said, why? Are you trying to, sh to, to, to slam the window shut on, on title contention with LeBron? The move to make for the Lakers, move AD for Dame. I keep saying it. Or, or if there's another star player who's maybe on the trading block who wants out of their current situation that fits with the Lakers, yeah. Yeah, make the move. It's just, it, I don't get it. I, I, I genuinely don't get it. By the way, Tom Brady officially bought the Raiders today. Other news. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't, it... it what do they say? And I know uh, my guy Parnell commented this last week. I don't, I don't even remember what the topic was about. Oh yeah, it was about. Uh, I think it might have been about John Morant, and he was quoting Shannon Sharp, who was quoting a Bible verse where it's a wise man learns from the mistakes of others, a fool learns from his own. Lakers, be wise here. Learn from the mistakes of the Celtics, the Nets, and the Mavs. We've got a six-year history. At some point. At what point is it is it going to be? Yeah, this is just who Kyrie is. This is who he is. But again, 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 I'm a Warriors fan. So, you know, if they if they want to make the move, then be my guest. I'm not I'm not going to be complaining about it. I'm that's a that's a team we don't have to worry about now. We can just focus on like Denver and you know Phoenix. We don't have to worry about the Lakers. Rob, if you're listening, feel free. By the way, uh, again, I, I do. But again, I do have the Lakers winning tonight. That game tips off in about an hour and a half. 
I'll, I'll say, I know I picked the Lakers, which I, I picked Denver to win game one, but I picked the Lakers to win two and three. Uh, I guess I'll sort of go down the ship with my pick. I, I don't think the Lakers are going to win the series, by the way. I don't want to imply that. But I'll take the Lakers tonight with gritting through my grit with gritted teeth. 110-105. So it's fairly close. I think LeBron bounces back. He hasn't had a good series, particularly in the fourth quarter. He'll bounce back. Uh, you know, I don't have a hang on a minute. Let me let me get this real quick. Hang on. All right. Let's see, you got a coin here. Coin flip. Let's do the this might be the last chance we get to we have to do this all, all season long. I I I should have done this earlier in the playoffs, but uh, let, let's let's flip the coin on AD. Let, let's let's give myself some space. Let's see. Let's flip the coin. All right, it's heads. It's heads. So you uh, Lakers fans, you're gonna get a good Anthony Davis tonight. All right. You're gonna get a good AD. Because a lot of people say, well, what about Tails? No, Tails never fails is a bunch of BS. That's a myth. Okay. I never win when I choose Tails. That's my personal experience. I'm gonna stick to it. Just flip this uh this quarter here. It landed on George Washington's face. So Anthony Davis is gonna play well. Coin flip Davis. Okay. So AD is going to give you like 30, 13, and three blocks and play good defense on Nikola Jokic. And Denver will go home on Wednesday and close it out. Because again, next the next show we have would be after game five if there is a game five. Lakers win tonight 110 to 105. And Nuggets win game five 115 to 101. That's what I got. Because Lake will just be out of gas at this point. At that point, especially playing in that, especially playing in that altitude, so it's no joke. Last topic of the day: Steve Nash interviewed by the Toronto Raptors, and I don't get it. Now, Steve Nash, obviously one of the greatest point guards in the history of the game, has two MVPs. I don't think he should have won either of them, but he has two MVPs. And remember, Brooklyn made the move in 2020. They inexplicably fired Kenny Atkinson, which I don't get to save my life. But they bring in Steve Nash. We all remember the quotes. By the way, another another thing with Kyrie Irving, he doesn't need a coach. Like that's that's something else. Remember Kyrie, the, the quote on the podcast two and a half years ago. Oh, Katie and I, we don't need. It. We could coach the team. Yeah, that that works. That worked great for Brooklyn. But they hired a guy who might as well have been no coach in Steve Nash. Uh, should Toronto make this move, we will. We will see if it was a Steve Nash problem or a Brooklyn problem. I personally think it was both, where Brooklyn's just got a dysfunctional, really no culture for their organization. Again, that's what we nobody talks about. We talk about, oh, this could this team contend. Well, do they have a winning culture? You know, Golden State has a winning culture. Boston has had a winning culture. The Lakers have a winning culture. Uh, Denver has a winning culture. Miami absolutely has a winning culture. The Knicks are starting to build a winning culture. So that's something. And by the way, Toronto, we could rip them outside of the one championship year. They tend to kind of flame out in the biggest games. The fact that they're even in the, those those big games tells you they've had an overwhelmingly winning culture with uh, Masai Ujiri running basketball operations. Again, I, I've always, and I talked about this earlier when my man Philip commented, you know, what about Jalen Brown to the Raptors? And I said, and I, I said this, any decision, whether it comes to sports, whether it comes to life, what are your intentions when making the decision? What do you view the end goal to be? What, 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 do you, how, what do you hope to accomplish by making the move? What does Toronto hope to accomplish by hiring Steve Nash? This is a guy who 
in Brooklyn. And again, could this be because he had two of the great, the greatest ISO players in the game today in KD and Kyrie, and for a time, James Harden, that Steve Nash literally, watch the tape, did not run plays. Like it was, all right, KD, Kyrie, y- y- y'all go do y'all's thing. Was that because he couldn't call plays and that he like almost was relegated to a guy who just called timeouts and, you know, made a halftime adjustment here or there? Maybe. Maybe KD and Kyrie and the Nets brass stripped the power of him. Kind of like a, a, a Major League Baseball manager. Like Aaron Boone, for example. Like, like Yankees fans for the longest time have hated Aaron Boone. I'm like, I mean, the guy the guy you should be mad at is Cashman. You know, Cashman's the guy who who wields all the power. He's the one and the you know analytics departments who makes all the decisions, not Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone's just doing what he's told to do. Was it similar with that with Steve Nash in Brooklyn? Maybe. I guess we're gonna find that out if he gets hired. But there's so many good head coaching candidates in the market. Again, you talk about guys like uh, Nick Nurse, I think he's a great candidate. Apparently, Milwaukee has zeroed in on him. Milwaukee has also zeroed in on a Kenny Atkinson, who's an assistant now in Golden State. I think Kenny Atkinson is a great head coach. Uh, I don't know about great, really good head coach. And I think Kenny Atkinson would would be a really good fit in Toronto. Why? Kenny Atkinson is a guy who is an ace at developing young players. Look what he did in Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn was an attractive enough situation that they they were able to bring in two of the most high-profile free agents in 2019 in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's probably why, why, they, why they went there. Now, they also forced Kenny Atkinson out, which, again, still makes no sense to me because he's a really good head coach. But Kenny Atkinson makes a lot of sense for Toronto. Uh, again, uh, well, of course, they fired Nick Nurse, but Nick Nurse is, is, is a good uh, head coach candidate for Milwaukee. I will beat the Mark Jackson drum until the drum breaks, okay? Mark Jackson's still out there. Just throwing that out there. Monty Williams is out there. Like there are some good candidates. And by the way, some some good some you know young assistant coaches, veteran assistant coaches that might make sense for Toronto to help develop some of the young talent they got there. Steve Nash, I don't know. And again, I saw a couple of weeks ago they interviewed JJ Redick, who I think is personally is my favorite uh, member of the NBA media because I think he brings overwhelmingly common sense. Isn't afraid to push back on really bad takes. Uh, and is, again, is somebody who knows the ins and outs of the NBA world as well as anybody. Has a great podcast, by the way, too, The Old Man and the Three. But I saw the Raptors interviewed him. I'm like, like I love JJ, but JJ's never coached past AAU. Like, he coaches his sons in, uh, in AAU basketball. He's never coached college. He's never been an assistant coach. Like, eh, I don't know about that. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But Toronto's head coaching search is kind of confusing. Uh, Milwaukee's, though, I think has gone very well. Again, they've zeroed in on, I know Shams reported it today. Nick Nurse was among one of the guys uh, mentioned. Uh, let me pull up Shams' Twitter real quick because he he reported it. Or it's either Shams or Woj. Let's see. Okay, I guess it was Woj because I don't see anything on Shams' Twitter. Uh, Woj reported today. Okay, uh, the Bucks are narrowing narrowing their candidates down to Nick Nurse, Kenny Atkinson, and a Toronto Raptors assistant coach, Adrian Griffin. These coaches will be part of final conversations with Milwaukee leadership this week. Uh, and also, Woj reported Nurse looms prominently in Phoenix and Philadelphia searches too. Sources say so. It's, it appears Nick Nurse is kind of the big candidate, uh, sort of the big fish of the. Uh, of the NBA coaching pool. And I think he should be. He's listening. He helped the Raptors coach the Raptors to a title in 2019, help them get to the playoffs a couple more times. Like Nick nurse, when they fired him, I was a very 
curious move in my view, but I think he'd fit any with, with any of those teams, Phoenix, you know, uh, Philadelphia or Milwaukee. But Steve Nash doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. Good dude. Great player, but I don't know if he works as a, as a head coach. We, we saw that, saw that worked last time, but it could have been Brooklyn. I, I'm willing to, to leave that possibility out there, but we'll see. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as Car- the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grids YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. You can find some of the best podcast content creators out there and you can also go subscribe uh to the grid network anywhere you get your podcasts whether it's apple spotify iHeartRadio, google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get and listen to your podcast is where you can find the grid network and my show is on there of course as well i anticipate the next time i see y'all we'll have an nba finals matchup i think the lakers win tonight close force the game five the heat dominate boston again in game four Tomorrow in Miami, Heat win the e- whoa voice crack there. Heat win the Eastern Conference, and in Game Five on Wednesday, the Nuggets win fairly comfortably over the Lakers, and so we will have a the finals that we all predicted in the preseason: the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Miami, please accept my apology. I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me, and uh, we will see uh, y'all in the finals, and we'll see. Probably the Denver Nuggets as well, in all likelihood, if history holds up, of course, in the NBA Finals. Lakers win tonight, Heat win tomorrow night, Nuggets win on Wednesday, and on Thursday, we will be previewing Denver, Miami in the NBA Finals. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health, and please, please be sure to call your local state uh, representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. God bless you all. Peace out. Uh, Please accept my apology, Miami. I'm begging you. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.